Good morning. My name is uh, Jimmy. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central, and it's my privilege to bring you God's word today. Uh, Before I get started, I just want to inform you that we're taking a break from our series in the book of Mark uh, to take this time to talk about an important vision here at Christ Central that we've been talking about for a while, which is regarding the topic of shepherding. And so let's turn then to his word. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, and then Psalm 23, verse 1. This is the reading of God's word from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. It says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then Psalm 23, 1, you don't have to turn to it, but you might have heard this before, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is God's word. As I read this passage and talk about this topic, you might be wondering, so why shepherding? Well, shepherding is an important topic because it hits at the very heart of God. Every local church is an expression of God's family or God's flock. And all the various ministries that we do and that all that takes place on a weekly basis is foundationally linked to how well we can care for the flock of God, God's people. And so many years ago, um, I was convicted by passages like the ones we read And as a pastor, I grew to understand that I'm not just someone who speaks on a Sunday, a teacher of God's word, or someone who leads a ministry. As a pastor, I didn't always understand what my title meant. Many years ago, when I took a trip to Mexico, and I've been been to Mexico many times, there was a particular Sunday where I gave a message on Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And when the translator translated that particular title, he said, Jesus el buen pastor. For some reason, that caught me off guard because I never thought about the fact that Jesus, the good shepherd, was Jesus, the good pastor. Because the word shepherd and pastor mean the same thing. And as I thought about that, 
the, the words and that idea of being a pastor just never left. In fact, it caused me to constantly ask the question, how can I shepherd God's people better? This matters to me and it matters to all the pastors and elders in every church because the church is Christ's beloved and that we all need help and support and prayer and that we all know that as pastors and elders, as shepherds of the church, that we will have to stand and give an account of how we shepherded or how we didn't. And so here almost a year after living in the COVID pandemic, I know that many of you, like myself, were in need of more and more fellowship, more and more of support and prayer. And this is the struggle that we've been going through, not just during COVID, but even before. And so this is a perfect time to embark on this particular journey of what it means to shepherd. And it's at the heart of our Lord. It's what he longed uh, for us to practice together. And so to answer Uh, some of the important thoughts about what this means, I'm going to answer them by way of the questions that I've prepared. There are four questions. The first is, what does God want us to know about shepherding? The secondly, what does God want us to do in shepherding? Thirdly, what does all this look like? And fourth, when does shepherding end? Let's look at the first question. What does God want us to know about shepherding? What God wants us to know primarily and first of all is that shepherding is God's care and love for us. The Lord is my shepherd. As his people, God is our shepherd feeding us, guiding us, and protecting us from all the things that we experience and go through in life. He feeds us through his word and we need to live according to that word. It's it's like food for us. In fact, Jesus said, when he was being tempted in the wilderness in Matthew 4, 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. By his own definition as our good shepherd, he told us that our life is not just dependent on what we eat, but by very much the word of God. He protects us also through his word so that when deceivers come to take us away or to distract us or lead us into lies, That the word of God, which is the final place of arbitration of truth and life for us as believers, that God protects us and through the shepherds that he provides, that they teach us to discern truth versus lies. And through the various human representations, we've seen God's heart express this shepherding uh, ministry throughout the Old and New Testament. I think all of us are familiar, at least most of us are familiar with the story of Moses and the people of Israel, that Moses led the people of God through the wilderness. And to his credit, not only did he shepherd the people of God, he was actually a real shepherd for 40 years. And then there was David, King David, who was also a little shepherd boy who became king over the nation of Israel. And then there was one who would come from the line of David a descendant who would sit on David's throne forever. And you might have guessed that particular descendant would be Jesus. And in the New Testament, we are told that as Jesus was going from village to village, that he noticed the people that he was ministering and proclaiming the gospel to. And he said that he had compassion on the crowds because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
In John chapter 10, we are told that Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. He knows his sheep and he gathers all his sheep into one flock. God's ultimate desire is that we would follow him. But along the way, predators, dangers, and even pitfalls stand before us. And we have, as sheep have a tendency to fall prey to every one of them. When I was thinking about that, I was thinking not only of the ways that I've seen people fall and struggle with sin, but even in my own life, the pride, the desire to want to be so independent, do things my way versus God's way. And I'm reminded of a famous hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, where one of the lines that we sing, and every time we sing it, it grabs my heart and reminds me of my tendency, that we're prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. As we sing that song and as we sang it here at Christ Central, there are many times when I'm asking myself, why would I leave the God I love? But that's the tendency and the power of sin and, and its remnants in us. God wants to lead us not only literally but figuratively in our hearts to a place where we shall not want not because we have everything we want, but because we are with the everything we need. And I'm not using poor English. The very person of Jesus Christ is the one from whom we receive everything we need, and therefore we shall not want. Shepherding not only describes to us God's care for us, but also shepherding will ask important questions. One of the important questions is, are you his? Do you know the true and good shepherd? Are you in a faith relationship to Jesus Christ? As earthly shepherds, or as we are called under shepherds, we don't want to assume that everyone who attends a Sunday worship or joins a small group at a local church is truly a believer. Just because someone says they're a believer doesn't always mean that that's who they are. There was a time many years ago when I was in seminary and I happened to be leading a small group Bible study. There was a couple there that had been attending our church for about a year and a half. And as we were approaching Easter Sunday, we were talking about the resurrection. And to my surprise, the couple, the gentleman said, you know, I don't believe in the resurrection. And I said, uh, excuse me? <laughs> and I thought I misheard him, but he said he didn't believe in the resurrection. He believed that Jesus died for him, and he died, and it was a wonderful act of love, but he didn't believe in the resurrection. It just didn't make sense to him. And as I pleaded with him and his wife to understand that being a Christian doesn't mean just believing that he died for our sins, but that he rose again, and the importance of how both work together as defining our salvation through Jesus Christ. After pleading with them and presenting the gospel that includes the resurrection, um, it was to no avail. They eventually left our church. And my heart was really saddened to realize that a couple that I thought were very much Christian were not. Now, I know most people don't deny the importance of the resurrection, but I also think that it's important that we don't assume that just because you're at church with us that you're a Christian. And so we ask the question, are you his? And secondly, are you healthy? Are you walking with 
our shepherd daily. I mean Jesus. And one of the things that's so significant about this faith relationship to Jesus Christ as our good shepherd is that it is an expression of a relationship that we practice on a regular basis through things like daily devotions and even weekly corporate worship times. Corporate worship times with God is primarily an expression of adoration and love for the one who gave his only son and saved us from the coming judgment and wrath. The primary purpose of worship is love, not need. A lot of people come to worship or go to a worship or attend a worship service to get full or to be inspired or to be fed. And although that sounds really good and those elements are all there, obviously, worship is a time to give, not to receive, to love. And so remember how loved we really are. We're saved people who forever will be praising God. And we remember his work of salvation. And that's what worship is. This relationship of understanding this God who loved us and saved us. And now calls us to journey with him as our good shepherd. When we forget this, it can quickly shift to be more about me than about Jesus. And so personal times with God our daily times and being in his word and in prayer. When people used to say to me, man, I need Sunday worship. That's where I get fed. And I used to go, wow, that's cool. I'm glad. And then I thought about it. I asked myself, who eats once a week? If you ate once a week, if I ate once a week, I would die. (laughs) We need to eat daily and regularly, not only corporately together, but also personally on a daily basis. And no one talks to the one they love once a week. I know that if I told my wife, Jennifer, hey, I'll talk to you next Sunday, uh, we wouldn't have much of a relationship. And so prayer, like a relationship that talks regularly, and food, like his word, and and meeting with God on a daily basis, as well as weekly with the body of Christ, is such a wonderful expression and a reminder of our relationship to him. So not only are you, are you in him and, do you, and are you healthy, but also are you staying close to Jesus or are you drifting in distractions? You know, protection from the enemy. In, in the passage that I read today, uh, in, in verse 8, it talks about the enemy that's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This is a real uh, and present danger that we talked about uh, during our past series on spiritual uh, warfare. The primary purpose of the enemy is to keep us from Jesus and from a saving relationship with him. And so he will fill our world and our culture with lies and deceptions about what the gospel is and who Jesus is. But if you have become Christian, then the second priority of the enemy is to keep you distracted and unfruitful in your life with Christ. The devil can't take you with him if you're a Christian, if you're truly saved and you're born again, that he can't take you because only he will be facing judgment. So the best thing he can do, secondly, is to make sure that you don't get in his way, that you remain ineffective. In today's culture, 
The enemy uses entertainment and distractions. And I bring that up not to guilt trip people because I'm participating in it. But the reason I bring it up is because there are so many people who say they want to have a relationship and be healthy in their relationship with Christ, but they don't spend time with him. And part of the reason is because we fill our days with distractions. It's when the peripheral thing becomes the main thing and the main thing becomes the peripheral thing. You know, the internet offers not only efficiency and reach, but it comes with enormous amounts of distractions and entertainment choices. We can literally fill our days with needless videos, social media clips, and shows that won't matter tomorrow. And yet, it will keep us from spending time with God, our Good Shepherd, who calls us to himself daily. And so, as one of your pastors or shepherds, I'm reminded of the call that the Apostle Paul gave to the elders at the church at Ephesus. In Acts 20, verses 28 and 29, this is what Paul says as he was leaving that church. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock." You know, that's a, a, that's a very uh, sobering message and a passage that reminds us of the importance of how shepherding and being shepherded is so important. So not only does God want us to know something about shepherding, but what does he want us to do? And so here in shepherding, it's important that we feed, care, and protect the sheep. So feeding, one of the ways that we do this is by preaching And as pastors who preach and teach the word of God, we also do this in a weekly worship, as well as in our growth classes, as well as in seminars. And this is also a time for us to protect the church from false doctrine, false teachers, and the deceptions that sometimes lead us astray due to the things that we might be promoting in our culture. To care for the flock of God. This is the one area that has been such a challenge. For small churches that have maybe one or two pastors, to care for a congregation of, say, 100 or 150, two people trying to do this by themselves while doing all the other works of ministry can be tremendously challenging. On the reverse side, if it's a megachurch with a staff of 20, 30, even 50 uh, staff, not all of them being pastors or people who are equipped to shepherd, Um, Even if they do have all the other staff and and people, the thousands upon thousands of people, how do we shepherd all of them? How do we stay in touch with them? And so here at CCSC, at Christ Central, we want to care for you. And our heart vision is to care for every member, to have them known by at least one pastor or elder, which we will call shepherding groups. And so we're going to take all the members at Christ Central and put them under the care of at least one pastor or elder. I'll describe a little bit more uh, as we go on. And so caring has been such a challenge that we at Christ Central, which I love this vision, and I've been thinking about this for years, and I'm so excited and I'm so glad and frankly so relieved that we're doing this. But also we're called to protect the dangers in our world, the false teachers, and all the things that are going on. It's when good things become God things, not capital G, but little g. 
the many idols in our lives, what takes God's place in our day and our week, things that are good, things like our children, our work, our entertainment, things that are not bad, but when they become the very ultimate things, when they become things that take up our time and preoccupy our thoughts and bring us anxieties, then they become more important than God intended them to be. In fact, perhaps one of the things that I hear, uh, I have heard through the years is when people say, I love God, but, and then they fill in the blank with whatever you can imagine. This is more dangerous than the devil saying, don't love God. Because that's easy to say no to. But when there's so many things that could distract us, man, that's so hard. And especially when they're not bad things. So he wants us to be mindful of this. And the way we do this is by feeding, caring, and trying to do our best as shepherds to protect. He also wants us to be humble and care for each other in loving fellowship. In verse 5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And then he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. And so this is where one of the key elements of allowing shepherding and to be shepherded uh, where, where it's made possible is where we all embrace the heart of humility. For the shepherd, we are to remember that we are representing the good shepherd as his under shepherds while not forgetting that we too are sheep. And although I pastor... I'm also a sheep. Many times when I go into my own prayer time, my own devotional times, and I come not as a shepherd, but as a sheep to my Lord. And for those being shepherded, we must be willing to invite the help and support and care of the shepherds to do what God has required of us to do, which is to care for you in ways that God has prescribed. And in any congregation, there are two extremes that we often see. There are some who just want to be left alone, don't want to be bothered. They want to come and go as they please, and they don't want the phone calls, emails. They don't want constant contact, and I get that. There are people who've been burned by the church who are struggling and who are just trying to catch their breath. But at the end of the day, um, we can't do this on our own. And one of the things that God has said very clearly in his passage is to shepherd the flock of God. And so as we think about that, the other extreme are those who totally would love to be invited, to be recognized and to be known by the church leadership. And there are also a lot lot of people right in the middle who are just open to it because, frankly, we grew up in churches where we haven't had that much contact with pastors and elders and so forth. And so the leader's dilemma is, do we err on the side of being too friendly, uh, overexerting ourselves and trying to contact, or do we pull back and just let people be? Well, the solution is that we are to be humble. In verse 6, it continues saying, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And that reminds us that we need God's help. To be able to humble ourselves as I can't do this on my own. I'm not able. And therefore, not only do I submit myself to God, but I submit myself to those God has sent to help me. And here, humility is directly related to the very authority and the very help that God sends. In the same way as we invite the help, care, and support of our earthly shepherds, we are to do so out of humility. 
To be subject to the elders doesn't mean that we're saying that you're my authority now. Jesus will always be our authority. But these shepherds are sent to care and to invite them into our lives is to help them to do what they have been called to do. In Hebrews 13 verse 17 it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This particular passage reminds us that as we work together in humility, it really benefits the overall health of the church and the relationship that we all long to have together, not only as those who shepherd, but those who are being shepherded. And thirdly, he wants us to care for one another through the good times and the bad times. That's what family does. That's what the church is. And you know, one of the saddest things that happens at times is when as pastors and as elders, we find out news of things that happen way after the fact, whether it's tragedies or difficulties, and sometimes we don't even hear of them at all. Or even sometimes the good things, the, the celebrations, and if it weren't for social media, sometimes we would know. But we find out and we want to celebrate together as well as mourn together and to be present with all of you. I know our elders, they're really wonderful men. They're very godly and humble men as well, and I don't just say that. And as I've gotten to know them, I know that they want to be uh, the shepherds and the elders and the pastors that God has called them to. They do what they do because they've been so loved that they want to share that, what they have received from our good shepherd with others in the church. As I think about that, I remember uh, receiving a, a message from a dear couple that I've been ministering to for the past year. This couple has been struggling with marital difficulty as well as illness and even struggling in their faith. And as I've been caring for them and, and ministering to them, they recently sent me some photos of a vacation that they were on. And as I looked at that picture, I just reflected and thought of the joy of shepherding because I saw how much they were in need. And the regular and consistent contact I was able to have with them was, was a great joy. It, it wasn't a whole lot. It was just, how are you doing? Uh, checking in on them. And then realizing that as I pray for them and as I, as I ask, how are you? And, uh, and to do those things, uh, to see them at a better place uh, in their marriage, to see them uh, learn how to depend on God through the illnesses and to learn how to walk with God again in a healthy way was a real joy. I was reminded what I rejoiced in by an article I read in, in a website called Nine Marks by Bobby Jameson, the associate pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. And he said this, quote, Are you more concerned about how many new bodies enter the building or about how their souls are fainting or flourishing? Obviously, when I read that, my pastoral heart leaned toward the fainting and flourishing but obviously the answer is both. We want to see people come to hear the gospel through the doors of our church, but we also want to make sure that we don't forget about the souls that are fainting or flourishing. So thirdly, practically, what does this all look like? Well, I want to use three M's to describe this. The first one is membership. 
It says in verse 2, shepherd the flock among you. Among you is an expression of those that have come to us and in our proximity. And if you're not a member, this is vague for us as leaders. We don't know where you are in your faith, whether this is really the place where you want to commit and grow. And it's, it would be awkward for us to assume as the pastors and elders of the church to assume that you are here long term and you welcome our, our uh, shepherding. And so membership is not about just joining a club, obviously. Membership is recognizing that we are the body of Christ and each recognizing their part in that body. However, we are told to be careful because there are also some who come through our doors that are wolves in sheep's clothing. And they're also in the Bible telling us that at the end times, there are wheat and tares. There are Christians and non-Christians among us. And so as we think about that, we want to do our best to discern who they are. One of the struggles we face in our culture is that church has become a place uh, where we often think about it as a place of consumption, a place where I come to receive a few things that I like and I don't necessarily get, go for the things that I don't like. And whichever church has the best package of those consumer products, that's the church I choose. And if at any given point that I don't like those consumer products anymore, I will leave and look for another place to consume it. That's not what the church is. The church is a family. It is a body. It is the bride of Christ. And as a relationship together, we commit to grow together through the years. And we want to see these people learn to build relationships, even with people we struggle with, maybe we don't even like. But that's why the idea of reconciliation, forgiveness, grace, and love are the hallmarks of an imperfect church with a perfect redeemer. Membership is then to recognize who belongs to Christ your commitment to one local church, and the duty of the shepherds are to care for the flock that is among us. I know that as we have baptisms and installation of new members, uh, you might have heard these several questions being asked, and I want to remind you the questions that are being asked and the commitments that are being asked of those who become members of the church. The first question is, do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope, save in his sovereign mercy? Secondly, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as the son of God and savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel? Those two questions are simply asking you, are you a Christian? The third question, do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? That question asks, are you now willing to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ? And then the last two questions, it says, do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study or pursue its purity and peace? And this is where we are asking, are you willing to be shepherded, to worship, to receive the support, as well as to receive the guidance, the care, and even sometimes, if necessary, the discipline. So membership is important. Secondly, it's ministry. 
It's all that we do in his name. At Christ Central, obviously, like many churches, we have weekly Sunday worship for adults and children. We have monthly administering of the sacraments, which is the Lord's Supper. And we do this currently at our drive-in worship. And if you haven't been to one, or if it's been a long time, we want to encourage you to join us in February. We have small groups. We have monthly prayer meetings. And if you've never checked out our website to this particular point, there is a recommended journey. That we as shepherds and your pastors want you to grow. And one of the ways that you can do this is by following this recommended journey. Which includes baptism, a membership class, classes that offer theology as well as uh, life which is uh, premarital. And then we want to invite you to then serve in ministries or even if God willing in leadership. We also have outreach ministries uh, and missions and, and that is all found a lot of times in our small groups and many different other ministries. And one that we're so excited that's coming soon is our shepherding groups. And shepherding groups, we want to regularly stay in touch with every one of our members. We want to pray for you. We want to care for you. And we want to reach out to you at least quarterly and to find out how you're doing. And if, and if there's times that you want to reach out or ask questions or, or to reach and ask some help and support from one of our pastors or elders, we're available and every member will be assigned a pastor or an elder. And to support this shepherding vision, we also want to stand with you at home as families and with children. That our education staff and myself as your pastor of families, we want to help you practice spiritual disciplines at home with your spouse and children. And this too will be coming soon. And so it's about membership. It's about ministry. And thirdly, it's about mutuality. Caring for one another as Jesus cares for us. In verses 5 to 10, if we were to summarize it, it is a practicing of the need of God. Learning to come to him with our anxieties. Being sober-minded. Watchful for, for the adversary, the devil. To resist him. To stand firm in our faith. Even as we go through hard times. And waiting and trusting that finally one day, he himself, our chief shepherd, will come and restore us and take us home. We also care mutually about our church. We care together about what happens. And hence... This Sunday at 1 o'clock, uh, there will be a congregational meeting where we find out what's been going on at our church. We care about ministry together. We also care for one another in small groups. We always mutually and we agree mutually to grow together in these small groups, whether it's discussing sermons or studying something together. And I want you to know that we all need to be shepherded. The small group leaders as well as members are under the care of our shepherds. And then the pastors and elders who are shepherds, as well as the support of our deacons, are under the care of our lead shepherd, uh, Pastor Harold Kim. And then our lead shepherd, Pastor Harold, is under the care of the shepherds in our session. And so all of us, in one form or another, are being shepherded, while all the time knowing that that shepherding heart comes from our good and chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. This then leads us to the final question then. When does shepherding end? Well, shepherding ends clearly when the chief shepherd himself comes to care for us and to take us home. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, it says, And after 
you have suffered a little while. The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. As one of the pastors here, I know as much as I might care for people and want to love God's people, I will do so imperfectly. And so will all the other shepherds. We're sheep learning to shepherd as we have so been loved. But there will come a day, even through all our imperfections, that there will be the chief and good shepherd who will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. And we also are told in verse 4 that when the chief shepherd appears, we, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is all the patience and the waiting and the trust that we do as we trust in our good shepherd. And as I want to remind us all, as much as we get to receive this, not only from Jesus, but from those he has entrusted as our leaders, as our shepherds, that this Jesus, he himself, as a good shepherd, gave up himself, his own life, so that his sheep might live. And so I leave you with this promise in Revelation 7, verses 16 and 17. It says, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. As it says in verse 11, to him be the dominion, the power forever and ever. If you're listening, as Pastor Harold shared last week, if you are still struggling with what it means to be a Christian, a believer, if you're going through all the pains of life and you've not come to know the comfort and the care of our good shepherd, I want to invite you to do so. He cares for you. And if you would come to him with your anxieties, if you would come to him Uh, after having been beaten by the adversary who desires to devour us, there is one who is stronger than our adversary. He overcame our sin. He overcame death. And he did this that we might have life. And the sweet name of Jesus upon our lips is our salvation. It's that person. It's that work that will forever be on our lips as songs of praise invite you to Jesus, our good shepherd. And for those of us who are believers, I invite you to wait and for our chief shepherd to return. And in the midst, in the meanwhile, it is our pleasure as your pastors and elders to offer as much love and care as we can to shepherd you as Christ has so lovingly shepherded us. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much for being our good shepherd, our chief shepherd. And as your under shepherds, as our pastors and elders endeavor to do something in your name on your behalf, we come both with fear and trembling as well as with joy and gladness. All of us who have become pastors and elders of the church, we've known what it is to be loved by you. And now you call us to also remember and to practice what we have been so blessed to receive, to share this with the church that you've entrusted to us, the the flock of God among us. 
I pray that you would bless this ministry endeavor of Christ Central to do what is so difficult to do in our day and age and to do so with as much care and love and, and time as we can. And Lord, whenever we falter, whenever we fall short, may you, our perfect good and chief shepherd, one day fully, truly, and completely restore us, establish us, comfort us, and bring us to a place where there's no more tears. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, good shepherd. And help us, empower us as a church to walk together in our love for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.